Welcome to another edition of the American Scouser podcast. With me today, I have got Tim and I have got Chris. How are we, lads? Doing great. Yeah, I'm good, man. I'm just awesome enjoying a week cup of tea here. That's it. You can't beat a fella. You can't beat a wee cup of tea. Proper tea yeah. with milk and sugar. Something for the Americans there. And um, <laughs> what we're going to do, we'll have a little gab about the old weekend as the Reds maintain their 100% start. Seven games on the bounce, all victories, 16 games overall. Uh, maybe not the most vintage performance you've ever seen, but you know what, Sim? You can't beat winning football matches, can you? No, I mean, that's the ultimate goal, isn't it? Get the three points and get the hell out of there. I mean, any away game in the Premier League is tough. So when you get the three points, and that was ugly. Um, but, hey, I mean, that's the ultimate goal. I mean, how many times did we watch freaking Ferguson's United team win games by just playing crap and just getting lucky and stuff like that. I mean, you kind of make, I mean, I know it's a goal year and stuff. We kind of make your own luck, I think. Uh, like, that's when we were kind of like starting to put the pressure a little bit. And you don't know what's going to happen if you don't get that goal. Are we going to keep like more, you know, putting more pressure on them and stuff? But yeah, definitely not a fun game to watch and a good performance. But I mean, a good a sign of a championship team is winning when you're not playing well so if we can rack up these three points at a time um, i don't care how the hell we play really yeah couldn't agree more uh chris i'll come to you fella again wasn't vintage proper away day in the uk that was mate weren't it rain bashing down a team who's going to put 10 behind the ball mate in liverpool want to just dig it out and get the win in the end yeah that was that was that <clears throat> metaphorical tuesday night at stoke yeah Kidder. you know uh, and and you know, we came out on top, just about, by the skin of our teeth. But, um, you know, it's not often we have days where there's more than one player off their game. And the front three just didn't seem to be connecting at all. Um, but, yeah, um, ground out to win. Genie again. I, I said it a couple of podcasts ago. Genie always comes up with a goal when we need him. And um, there he was again. You know, spe- extra special shout out to Dean Henderson because... Uh, Sheffield United got him from Man United, so I'm yeah. sure he, I'm sure he loved that. <laughs> to be honest, uh, Tim, I'll come to you. We'll, we'll get into it a bit. We can we talk about off days. Most definitely, we all have one. That's fine, not an issue. The main thing is when you have an off day that your midfielders, especially your front three, your midfielders can get you these vital goals. That's what they're there for. They're meant to get you six, eight goals a season. And the one concern that we can have of Liverpool is that our midfield don't contribute enough goals. If that's one criticism. And the midfield, the, the front three have an off day. You know, Sadio, definitely. Salah probably should score. People can say that we're lucky. I don't think we were lucky, to be honest. I thought we deserved to win. I thought we created four or five clear-cut chances in the other day. It's a 3-4-0 win. But it's great that we can see that the midfield actually contributed and got a vital goal there. Yeah, you almost like needed him to because like you're saying like the front three was kicking in. I mean, let's face it, we don't have the most creative explosive midfield, but that's not how we play. I mean, we have those guys that work their butt off, win the ball back and give it to the guys who kind of create, which is the front three kind of aided by Robo Robo and, you know, like Trent's on the sides. And those guys were not on their day either, like some poor deliveries by like Trent, which is like, you know, like very uncharacteristic. But yeah, basically those five players that we kind of rely on to create stuff, were not doing it. And I think, you know, that's when, I mean, our midfield obviously is not the most creative, but they, I mean, it was probably the best playing 
uh, line out of the three, I would say, uh, on that day, because they kept winning the ball back, they came, kind of kept battling, and they are the ones who kind of like got us the goal at the end. I mean, they were kind of giving us that Genie had a couple of like a crack before that early in the game. That shot was there. I mean, yeah, it's a goalie error and stuff like that, but yeah, it's a huge goal to come from midfields, a part that we don't really rely on for scoring or creating mostly. But these are games, I think, where, and I'm sure we'll get to the game, like the Champions League game later on as well, but this is where I think, you know, when those guys are kind of not on their game, we do need somebody from midfield. It was Genie in this case, but we do need somebody from midfield who can kind of create or open up some space yeah. by you know, off the dribble and stuff like that. That's what we needed. Um, we didn't get the dribble part. We definitely got the scoring part from Genie, though. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think this as well. It's one of them games where you, I analyse these games a lot, really. Because I can see little things where you miss. It's one of them games where you miss Coutinho. It's one of them games where you miss Oxley Chamberlain when he was fully fit yeah. last season, season before. Um, when he was fully fit and he was firing. It is that creative spark where sometimes our midfield can become a little bit too regimental, a bit too general like. And someone like a Shakiri, even, or, you know, again, the Coutinho Oxley Chamberlain, where we are missing, where you're missing that little key pass, that little key look. You know, and really what you can unpick the lock for you. Yeah, for sure. And, and I think, yeah, you, you just hit it on the head. It's, you know, the Oxley Chamberlain, the Shack, the Nabi Keita, you know. Um, yep. he, you know, he, he's there. He's very similar to Oxen, that he's very direct, runs straight at the goal, plays a lot of one-twos in and around the edge of the box. And, and, and they're the type of players we need in there. Unfortunately, you know, they're all coming, they're all injured or coming back from injury. So they're not 100%. So, you know, the fact that Genie's stepping up, and, and let's not take anything away from Sheffield United. You know, <clears throat> they set their team up and they did their job. You know, that's that's the hardest game we've had in a long time. Yeah. You know, and fair, and fair play to Sheffield United, a team that come up from the championship, you know, played three at the back, dropping back into a five, and just absolutely smothered um, our front three. And, and Robbo and Trent, you know, they, they noticed that that, that that's where our biggest uh, you know threat is from, and they used everything they had to neutralize it. And they said, "Well, if you're going to beat us, let's 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 see your guys create something from the midfield." And and luckily, you know, you know, genie come up trumps. So yeah, I, I think some some credit has to go to the Sheffield United on being able to subdue the guys enough to to not allow them to get you know into second gear. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll come on to them individual performances in a, in a little minute. I just want to ask him. I, I think with Sheffield United, I think this is the nail on the head, really. This is a team that went to Goodison Park and won. And let's be honest, I think that's the first time they've got, ever have lost at Goodison in like 12 league games or something like that. Um, even though they are pretty poor, but at Goodison, they're really good. This is a team that also went to Stamford Bridge and scored two, came back from 2 0 down. So there's basically no mugs. And it shows me that they're a team who are going to be, you know, not maybe not get relegated and maybe definitely in the fight of the last day at least yeah i mean they were actually my pick to you know like one of the yeah, top teams yeah, you know yeah. candidates for getting like relegated but yeah. uh i mean that's the thing obviously it's a, like a long season you've got to be able to see you know if the death of the squad is be able to like keep going on this but yeah i mean this is like i think like the third time i happen to watch him and yeah i mean that team battles it reminds me of like 
uh, kind of like Burry from like, you know, I mean, uh, Burnley from like maybe like two, three seasons ago where it's a place you didn't want to go to. It's a team you really didn't want to play because they were so physical and they made you really work for everything. And I agree with Chris. I mean, I think both physically and, you know, like in terms of like the running we had to do, I thought it was one of the toughest games we played this season because they made you work for every single thing. And obviously it was at their home ground, but, you know, I watched that game at Goodison Park as well. And it was the same thing over there. They are very compact. And when they push up, they push up well. And they're pretty good on the set pieces, too, to be able to convert them. So they definitely have a shot. I mean, they're in a good place right now, but it is early in the season. I mean, with these teams like them, Norwich and stuff like that, it's just kind of like, I guess the main thing is, are you, do you have enough depth in your squad to be able to deal with injuries and stuff like that as it happens and keep your current form? Or do you kind of like go on a bad streak because you're missing a couple of players? So it's kind of early, but I'll be honest, like I did not expect the start from them either. Yeah. yeah. Uh, couldn't agree more. And listen, I think they're going to be well in it. I think they might stay up, to be honest. And the reason I say that is that a lot of teams will expect to go there and get points, especially the big teams. You know, they'll expect to go there and, you know, kind of turn them over and things like that. I have no, I have no doubt in my mind, Chris, Manchester City would not win that game on the weekend. They would not. They wouldn't have won if they, if Sheffield United play like that in that weather, as well. Because the weather's a key factor in the UK, guys. I know. Listen, it does have to be mentioned. These old football stadiums, which of course a lot of you guys wouldn't have been lucky enough to go to, they are open when that wind is blowing. That rain comes from any different direction. One finger sitting in your face, next thing it's in the back of your legs. You just don't never know. And when you get a team like that who are going to be lumping it forward, Chris, it is a difficult, difficult day day out for you. Oh, for sure. I, I, I've been to Bramall Lane. I know how cold it is up there. I was there in November, like way, way back, 94, I think it was, way, way long ago. Uh, and it was absolutely Baltic. Um, but yeah, I, I think um, that game they played against us was very similar to the game Norwich played against City. Uh, and Norwich came out on top. And it was that kind of goody, like, we're going to fight tooth and nail for absolutely everything. You know, and they, and I think it very it stands for everything that that kind of club stands for. Their manager stands for. You know, you know their manager is one of those guys that when he walks out of that club at five thirty, six o'clock on a Saturday night after doing his his press conference, he walks down the road. Yeah. You know, he doesn't get in the car. He walks down the road to his house, or he walks down the road to the pub, and and during the week he walks to the stadium and he stops in in the local shops and just chats to the local people. You know. Um, going back to that whole working class work ethic thing that we talked about with the Newcastle thing, Sheffield, you know, City of Steel, very much the same thing. Uh, and their football team reflects that. Uh, and 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 fair play to them. I, I think they stay up. I think they've shown me enough. And I think you were saying about the big clubs wanting to go there and wanting to turn them over. I think after that performance they put on on Saturday, a lot of the big teams will be thinking, oh, maybe we need to rethink a few things before we go there. Yeah, especially. I, um, I think they really impressed me. Um, Tim, I feel sorry for Red Bull Salzburg, mate, because Sadio Mane is going to be pissed off, isn't he? Yes. I mean, that front three is probably going to be pissed off by themselves. I mean, it's just a matter of uh, their performance. Obviously, Mane has like the history. Um, 
And we, I mean, this is kind of like a, I mean, not a must win in terms of like points, but this is like three points that we have to get at home. It's going to be interesting like to see the lineup uh, after like the weekend. I'm really thinking like, you know, we will see Keita out there, for example, because, so, you know, Salzburg is going to kind of like come in and sit after their good result. They will be, you know, ecstatic with like taking a point away from Anfield. So, I mean, we've kind of shown what Anfield can be last year. So I don't think anybody is coming there to, you know, very hopeful. Uh, it's just a matter of like hang in there kind of an attitude, I would think. So, and then, you know, an early goal would kind of like make life a lot easier. But um, yeah, I would think that front three after this weekend's performance will be hungry for more. I think it's, I think it's all, I think Sadio, right? I always try and explain this to people who especially don't watch a lot of Liverpool. He's, he's probably the one player I've never seen dominated in a game. Now, I've seen Salah play poor, and I've seen Salah play poor a couple of a few times, and that's fine. I've never seen Sadio play poor. I always say he's played okay. He's always played okay to average. I wouldn't... This is probably his worst game he's played for this position in about 18 months, maybe two years. And but the reason why I say he's going to be pissed off, mate, because he's going to want to take his anger out on someone, and it's just very, very unlucky that Red Bulls are probably going to be the next team. Him and Salah, to be honest. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Salah is going to be kicking himself. He missed that chance. Oh, you know, it's bad. Um, it's bad. The, the one Sadio hit the post, um, to be honest with you, Bobby should have took the shot. And I think, shot, I think Bobby's probably thinking he probably yeah. should have took the shot too. Yeah. Um, you know, so th there's obviously the history for Sadio. Um, it's our first European night back at Anfield. It's always a huge night. Um, so, yeah, I think there's going to be... Um, and, and I think Robbo, Robbo and Trent as well, they were kind of stifled a little bit on Saturday. You know, they weren't allowed to run free. They weren't allowed to do their thing. So I, I think they'll be they'll be up for it as well. And, and yeah, I, I know Salzburg had a great result against Genk, but to be honest with you, this is Liverpool at Anfield. Um, and those boys are angry. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I, I couldn't agree more, mate. Listen, if... You know, we'll get on to the Salzburg game in a little while. But if we can't beat them, we, should, we don't deserve to go through. But um, Tim, I'll come to you. Um, I want to talk about Fabinho. I, he's probably the best number six in the world right now, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, his style is... I mean, he's so physical and he's so direct. Uh, I mean, I think it helped, the way he plays, it helps to have you know, a good centre-back duo behind him. Because, you know, I, I think it wasn't this game, but it was like last game. You watch a couple of his tackles compared to, you know, having Henderson play there. And, you know, obviously Henderson was out of position and everything and it wasn't as natural. But the way he plays, there are times where the ball is coming and, you know, Fabinho goes in there. And the majority of the time, he gets the ball. If he doesn't get the ball, he might be slightly out of position, but his recovery is so fast and it's good to have two quick center backs behind you. But, you know, there are times where you would think, you know, if Handel was there or somebody else was there, just a regular, like, defensive midfielder, they might kind of play it safe and not go into that ball and, like, let the let the opponent kind of receive it and contain him, maybe slow him down and stuff, especially on a counter. But no, I mean, he does not have that attitude. He just goes in, like, full speed into the ball. And majority of the time, with his physicality, he gets that ball. And if he doesn't, like you say, for a split second, you're like, oh, man, he's out of position now because he missed that tackle. And then before you know it, like in a half a second later, he's back in position again. So, I mean, the guy has been golden. It took a while. And this kind of like, I guess, you know, 
credit, you know, credit goes to Klopp for being patient and like letting him kind of like grow into that position and being comfortable with the team during practices or whatever they do. But man, since he started, I mean, it is he's so dominant in that spot, and it kind of lets the other midfielders, you know, kind of like run around and like harass people, knowing Fabinho is there to clean it up. I mean, he's been like golden, and now looking back, it's another one of those great deals we made because you would think his price tag is really high right now. Yeah, yeah, I think Chris, I think I think we're dealing with you know the best number six in the world, and let me get let me get one thing straight as well, mate. If you came down from a, pl- a different planet over the last six weeks, and I said to you, you don't know anything about football, which one's the best centre half in the world, mate? You're probably picking number thirty-two, then number four at the moment, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> it's unbelievable, you know. And I'm not. I, I people have heard me on this podcast. I wasn't Joel's big fan. I really wasn't. I thought he's too lackadaisical on the ball. I thought he's too slow, mate. He looks like he's found an extra yard of pace. It looks like his touch is a lot better. He's winning everything in the air. Joel Matip at the moment is playing football out of this world. Oh, unbelievable. And, and you know, a lot of people were making a big deal about Klopp said about him being one of the best pieces of business he's ever done. You know, uh, and you have to think about, you know, some of the players that he picked up. Lewandowski, I think he picked him up for like yeah. three million or something like that. He got Mats, Mats Hummels for three and a half million. Um, he got Joe Matip on a free. Um, <clears throat> and this is a guy that was a starting centre back at the age of 18. You know, um, yeah. for for club and country, um, and and that's no mean mean feat with Cameroon. Cameroon are a big physical side, you know. So and and to look at him, he's not he he's a he's a big tall guy, but he's he doesn't look the most physical in the world. Uh, and you know, we make fun. You know, he looks like he's running as if his phone's gonna fall out of his pocket and stuff <laughs> like that. But you know, it's it's just he he just has his. And and I think it's it's not even just the influence of, of Klopp. It's the influence of, of Van Dijk. It's the influence of Fabinho. It's the influence of, of Trent, Robbo, Allison. You know, um, I think it's just a culmination of everything. We've just we've just put this this back five, back six together. That that just <clears throat> seems to be in tune with each other. You know, um, and. and it's kind of like we we play in sort of three diamond systems. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got the back diamond, which is Allison, Virgil, Joel, and Fabinho. Then you've got like the middle diamond, which is Fabinho, the two midfielders, and Bobby. And then the attacking, mm-hmm. which is a midfielder, Mo, Bobby, and Salah. So you've got these three sets of diamonds happening, and the one at the back is, I don't think. If you take those four positions at the minute, I think we probably have, as you said, Fabinho with the best number six in the world. We've definitely got the best centre back in the world in Van Dijk. We've definitely got the best goalkeeper. And I put at the minute the way he's been playing over the past six months, the way he's been playing, um, Joel Matip is definitely a top five centre back the, on the planet right now. Yeah, I think he's uh, I think he's next level him at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I think one of the uh, the key parts about this whole argument isn't it great that we got the best number one and number two goalkeepers in the world? <laughs> I think mean, I swear, to, mate, I seen him at West Ham in the last six months, and I was like, he's good, but he's not great. And then Fabianski came in, mate, he sat on the bench. We might win the league. Or West Ham's number two goalkeeper. Can we discuss that for a second? 
I mean, it feels like you don't even notice that we have the, you know, the backup goalie, not even a regular backup goalie, a guy we kind of like scramble to get, uh, you know, after selling manually. It doesn't even like, I, I've not even thought that as I watch the games now, which is a huge credit to him because, you know, let's face it, when the injury first happened to Allison, you know, especially the first couple of games, I don't know, I had that, I call it the Mignolet feeling where, you know, anytime the ball is around the box somewhere, they were, or like anytime the ball is crossed in, you know, there was some kind of a panic. But, I mean, these last couple of games, it's almost been so comfortable to have him back there. It's just like having Ali back there. I mean, he does not uh, put the ball into play as well as Ali, obviously, uh, and doesn't command the box as well. But... Man, I mean, you're now comparing him to the best goalie in the world, which says a lot about his performance to be even able to be able to, you know, compare him uh, to Ellison. I mean, who knew that was going to happen, especially after the blunder, like, you know, he had in the Southampton game and stuff. So, um, <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I mean, it's been like a great, great surprise to have him perform the way he has. And I think it kind of like lets us be patient with Alisson and not rush him in, especially with the injury he's had. It's not something that you want to rush him. And you know, club will not rush anybody and he's probably like the guy who plays it the safest. But I mean, like going back to what Chris is saying, I think that kind of that entire unit feeds off of each other and they make each other better. Uh, like that's, you know, the massive performances, uh, along with Van Dyke, it has been just like amazing. I mean, those two guys are left on an island a lot. Uh, with Trent pushing back, and everybody seems to be trying to do the same thing and playing the long ball behind Trent, uh, which is Matip's side. And man, with this pace and that you know that run he has, he's done extremely well because he is left on an island usually one on one with. And different kinds of strikers, you know, some of them are just like physical guys, some of them are like really fast guys, and he's handled them all. Yeah, I think it's a... Uh, what I like about this team a lot, guys, is that I think they realise when someone's having a bad day, which happens in football. I think a lot of teams sometimes, and I always, it's always something I, I pay attention to. I watch a lot, a lot of Premier League. I watch all five, six games this weekend. And I watch a lot of football. Sometimes you don't realise when players are having a bad day. So, for example, Sterling was having a bad day against Everton. We'll get on to that. But I think he was having a bad day. And I think top players realised he's having an off day. It's fine. And he can have an off day. It's not an issue. But we need to help him while he's having his off day. You know what I mean? Because they're going to have days, especially with, as again, our front three. Our midfield realised, wait there. You know. And what, the other thing I'm, I'm talking about that is, is that Klopp realised his front three were having an off day and made the Divock Origi sub, Chris, so early for him. He never makes it, to me, he never makes a sub until like the 70, 75th minute. He makes the Divock sub early, realising that his front three didn't have an off day. And I thought Divock was brilliant when he came on. I think it's exactly what we've been missing the last few weeks, a couple of weeks he's been out. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think it was a shock to see it so early. It was also a shock to see him go 4 2 4. Um, in such an attacking of aggressive way, you know, okay, throw throw Sadio over onto the right hand side and bring Mo into the middle, um, allow Bobby to drop off him and, and have Devak take over that left hand side and and you know one of the most underrated parts of Devak Origi's game is his ability to cut inside. Um, he's always in. Everybody talks about you know oh Shaq popping up on the right hand side and cutting in on his left hand. 
you know, his mm-hmm. left hand side with that left foot of his. Mm-hmm. Look back at the history of Divock Origi's goals for us. Yeah. And yeah. look at how many of them are him pulling the ball in from that left channel, pulling yeah. it on to his right hand side and putting it in that far corner. Yeah. You know, and, and that's what he came on to do on Saturday. And unfortunately, he didn't get one. He had a couple of chances he didn't get one, but it, it completely changed the fabric of the game. And I think. Uh, given a bit more opportunity, if Genie hadn't got the goal, I think we probably would have forced a, a goal anyway. Yeah, I agree. Couldn't agree more. I think um, I think the goal was coming. I, you know, if I can call it lucky, whatever you like, maybe we created four clear cut chances. In my opinion, three definitely clear cut. Maybe a fourth. We Liverpool deserve to win this game. It is how it is. But Tim, I come to you, mate. Let me get you a quick one of the match off you. Oh, man of the match. Man, I mean, I guess uh, I would have to go Matzep for that one. Yeah. I thought he was Matzep. I mean, for the most part of the game, he was our biggest playmaker as well, being able to kind of like pass in between the lines. There were several times like he found like like Genie or Hando in between the lines and like, you know, they were able to receive the ball and turn around. So mm-hmm. I'm going to have to give it to him. I thought he was solid overall, clearing the ball defensively and on the ball as well as we were like trying to kind of like pressure him. And going back to Origi real quick, I thought, I think the biggest difference, I don't know if this is kind of like a direction he's been given, when he goes in, but he was extremely direct. Yeah. Whereas there are times where, you know, like Sadio will kind of like, you know, play him back, like we kind of like recycle the ball and see if we're going to switch the wing or come back to him and stuff. I mean, Divac did not have that at all. I mean, anytime he got the ball, he was kind of like going at the right back and kind of like, you know, pushing him backwards. And I mean, that's probably like one of the biggest things in the game that kind of like changed everything around and, you know, Kind of like again, credit goes to club, and I was shocked to see a change that early, because if I have one criticism of club, is sometimes he waits a bit too long for substitutions, even to get people minutes and stuff like that. He knew things were not going very well or as well as they should, and made the change, and it was kind of like a risky change in a way, but you know, like going that attacking. But he knows we need three points, a draw away is not what it used to be like a decade ago. You need three <laughs> points for every game to keep pace. So I think that was kind of like the reasoning behind the move and it sure paid off. Correct. Um, so Tim, Matip, Chris? Yeah, I have to agree. Um, big Joel, just, the big man just keeps getting better and better. Uh, and he's also brought something to the side that we haven't had in a while. And that's a centre-back that's willing to, to surge forward. Yeah. Um, it, it, they're very different types of players, but they serve surge forward in a similar way. Uh, him and um, Daniel Agger. Yeah. Um, we used to get that from him, and eventually, I think we're going to start to see Matip taking taking digs from like thirty five yards. Uh, <laughs> and I hope to see it. I hope to see it all the time. Didn't he? Remember when used to do it all the time? Uh, there's nothing I love more than than a centre back taking a dig from forty yards and oh, finding the top you know. corner. Uh, no, it's still still the greatest and and the biggest um, letdown ever. Uh, Jimmy Carragher against QPR oh, in his final game. I never um, forgive that functional. I'll still oh, be in town if that were the winning. That, that crossbar still shaking. Oh, nice. Uh, oh, but uh, yeah, and he, he just yeah, <laughs> and, and Tim hit it. He hit it right. He was sometimes our most creative player with those surges forward mm. uh, because I think you know Sheffield United were so focused. On our creative players, yeah, I forgot. You know, Virgil and and Joel are actually 
not too not too handy with the the ball at their feet as well. So, um, yeah, I, I think we're going to see a lot more. I think we're starting to see a lot more facets to this squad and what they're what they're capable of and the formations and things that we we could be seeing going forward. Because that was interesting. That it's four two four isn't something I've ever seen Klopp do before. He's done a, a four two three one, and that was kind of like a modified four two three one, but with with Mane and um, and Origi pushing so high up, it, it was definitely more four two four. So yeah, it, it, it's nice to see. It's nice to see him actually doing stuff that we're all screaming at sixty yeah. minutes. Going, please bring someone on. We need it. We need a change. Something needs to change, uh, and it happened this time, and it was for the positive. You know, Origi looked great, but uh, Joel, man of the match, definitely. Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Dean Henderson. Um, I thought he was excellent. <laughs> um, I thought he was excellent. I thought he had great handling. Um, yeah. No, listen. Um, no, it would be Joel, really. I think Virgil was excellent. I think Fabinho was great as well. Um, they're probably the only kind. I think Adrian made a big save as well. Um, yeah. The one from outside the area that he kind of had to make. Um, looks like we've never missed Allison, but we'll leave the Sheffield United game there. Um didn't really get mine. Doing a podcast last week, all our schedules could not line up, guys. So a very, very brief touch on the uh, MK Dons um, team. Sorry, team game. Tim, I'll come to you. Um, Javier, this is the case of players I play for Liverpool. Uh, I mean, watching that, I was really looking forward to that game because I thought it was a great opportunity for a lot of players, and it was kind of like disappointing to see. Uh, aside from like a few exceptions, rare exceptions, like nobody really took advantage. I mean, it was good for Keita to get his minutes. I mean, I mean, that was not, I was not as demanding to see much from him, but I really thought, you know, like Ox's performance was really disappointing. And they were like throughout the game. I mean, I think like if you look up and down, apart from like, you know, like Elliot's and stuff like that, mm-hmm. I thought it was pretty poor overall. I, I know when you kind of makeshift a lineup, and it is a makeshift lineup. There's going to be disconnects. There's going to be, you know, uh, you know, misunderstandings. And, you know, oh, I thought you were going to make that run. I thought you were going to cut back in. All that kind of stuff is going to happen. They're not going to be in sync. I can understand that part. But I thought, you know, physically they did not – they got battled out. Um, I, it just was not crisp at all. There were some, like, little glimmers of, like, you know, good football. But overall, I thought it was kind of disappointing. Maybe I had too high of expectations to see some of these guys in action. So it was kind of like disappointing in that sense. Maybe I set the bar a bit too high, but I thought especially players like Ox and stuff would be able to kind of use it to get their confidence back, get their mojo back, if you will. And it was kind of disappointing to see that it didn't happen. Fair yeah, fair enough. I'd say, for me, I think it's just one of them things where you haven't played with each other. You know, we're very, very unlucky not to win the game 5 Now We've hit the bar twice since the post once. Um, and then the, the game looks like it's a you know, perfect game. Um, Chris, I come to you, mate. The teams never played together. Understand the Ox arguments. I was more disappointed with Lovren, to be honest. I think oh. you're, crying, you're crying for the game and come out and play like that against the League One side. I thought you would, I thought you would a disgrace, in all honesty. Um, he's <laughs> going to walk off the pitch, though, game saying I got a clean sheet. So it's yeah, <laughs> it's very good. Um, but let's let's look at the positive here, Chris. Harvey Elliott is the greatest player to play for Liverpool. <laughs> 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 I've never seen a player like him. He's 16. Yeah, you know he's, he's walking around with a top knot, bit of acne, <laughs> and he's come on me and played like a prime salad. It's just unbelievable. The ball for Milner, mate, that that, that Milner should have, mate, it's, it's it's out of this world. Mate, he can walk around with a fucking cowboy hat on. I don't give a fuck. 
That kid can play. That kid can play football. <laughs> Jesus on, Christ! If he wanted to go on the pitch with fucking ski goggles on, let him do it. You know Mate, what I mean? I, I generally thought he was getting the win on the weekend. I watched oh. the game and I went, he's standing against Sheffield United, mate, and he's going to pang three. He's going to put three in. I've never seen I, a player like him. I, I wouldn't be surprised if we if we didn't see him. I think coming up, up around Christmas, when it starts to get busy, we're going to see that kid play football. And, um, and Jesus, the fact that he's 16 or 17 or whatever it is, it, it's unbelievable. I mean, he hit the, he hit the crossbar twice. Yeah. Um, mate, the ball from the, the ball from Milner, mate. Right, I'm being serious. If Salah, if Messi, if Ronaldo does that ball, we're all yeah. going crazy over it. Milner yeah. misses it to make it look like you know, because if Milner scores, you're going to go look at this assist. Oh, yeah. look at this Messi ball. Look at this. That's how good that ball is, and, yeah. the, and the piece of skill to do the two plays he thought it was out of this world. He, um, he, yeah, it's it, it. You run into superlatives for someone like that, and I hope. I hope and pray that we we don't get carried away with it. It's hard not. It's hard. It's hard not to get carried away. I think. I think. I think. Let's get carried away. I think Ray and Brewster uh, fell foul of, of getting carried away a little bit, um, and that's maybe just there was a bit of pressure on his performance, uh, and then someone like Harvey Elliott coming in and, and kind of not stealing the thunder, but just sort of going hey everybody look at me mm-hmm. and everybody going holy shit um yeah. but can i just give a shout out to keanu hoover oh that, yeah. that kid that header jesus oh mate it's, oh, a, was... it's, it's, it's a stunning header you can't miss if you get in the air you can't miss the ball is lovely by milner um, yeah if you get in the air you can't miss but it's a power header mate and you know he's probably not a right back he's a center half yeah and he's playing right back and he's I think it's. I think Liverpool are doing what they did with Trent there, you know. I think they're going to start converting into a right-back. Yeah. Because I think they want to get rid of Klein. I don't think they want Gomez playing um, right-back anymore. No, so I think they're looking to step up to be like the number two to Trent. Well, I think they've been looking at Gomez and, and the, the times that he's been getting injured has been the times he's played at right-back. Yeah. Um, yeah. When he's when he's been asked to, to stretch that bit more and, and, and go sort of, which is essentially box-to-box. Mm-hmm. You know, um, our, our fullbacks are box-to-box midfielders. Yeah, you know what I mean. Um, and, and that's you're expecting a, a big guy that that sort of size that that is a centre back to do that for ninety minutes isn't going to happen. You know, yeah. um, so uh, he wants to play centre back. He's much better at centre back, and I think with you know him, Joel, and and Virgil, and and big big Sep, I, I, I have no doubt that 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 big lad's going to be. Mm. It's just going to be unbelievable as well because, like, he's seventeen. Yeah, yeah. He played last year at sixteen at Wolves, didn't he? He was unbelievable. He was like, unbelievable at Wolves last year in the cup. It's just it's 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 kind of just it's getting kind of crazy. It's getting scary because I'm now at that age where I'm now I'm forty one. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I, 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 I have a nineteen year old daughter and a twenty year old son. Do you know what I mean? So these these kids are younger than my kids. It's ridiculous. So, oh, yeah, that's kind of scary, isn't it? I was saying the same I'm, thing this weekend. I was like, what the hell? These kids are young. <laughs> and then I'm thinking, my kids, when they were 16, were dicks. Yeah. <laughs> what, must, what must it be like for Pat uh, to deal with these kids on, on, a, on a daily basis? You know what I mean? Like, whoa, this is crazy. Uh, and they can play football. And they're getting paid more money th- in a week than yeah. I make in, in a year. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, what? I think someone put online. I think that Harvey Ali was one in Istanbul or something daft like that. Oh, 
or some kind of ridiculous start. I can't remember if that's correct. I think it was something like that. He was like 18 months old. And it's just like, wow. And now he's dominating it. I just want to briefly touch on the MK Dons game, okay? Because we have to say we never done a podcast last week. We all agree Harvey Elliott's the greatest player to ever play. It's him, Gerard, and Kenny Daglish. I think we all agree. But let's hey, you know on. what? One more thing about that game. And one thing to admire. After all these young guys that were like drooling over and hopefully like they'll have the bright future. But James Milner. Is, <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you look at professionalism, his picture should be on there. And that's, I think, to me, you know, when we talk about, you know, like how disappointing Lauren and Ox was and stuff like that. I mean, you have a guy like Milner to look up to. Miller was playing that game like it was the Super Cup final. It was a champion. He did not care what the game was, who he was playing against, who he was playing with. And that's like a true professional. Like he was playing his regular game. And I think that's what yeah. you didn't get from the other ones. And that kind of comes, I guess, with maturity and professionalism and stuff but that's something like i really admire just watching that guy carry himself and you know there's no doubt why he's one of the captains by just how he does things actually finally can i can i just shout out can i just shout out uh the goalkeeper and we're going to yeah, say this Kelleher. properly queven kelleher okay um the reason i want to shout him out is everybody's been making a big deal about his name the the commentators were saying oh we're not quite sure how you said it. it's meant to be something like kevin um Fair play to him for putting in a performance to make people learn his name. Yeah. So it's, <laughs> yeah. if you if you wanna if you wanna know what it is, okay, for all the people out, because it kind of annoys me, people get tied up. Because Tim, I'm sure you have issues as well. You know, <laughs> people with Turkish names and with your own name, you know, people probably trip up on it as well. Oh, but man, I wanna, it's been butchered several times. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so, so I want to give a shout out a shout out to Quiven Kelleher. There we go. Look at him. Did you see that kid? Hey, the little Macaulay Culkin in goal. No, oh, I. What a guy. Um, but no, I just want to, yeah, I say, but once I briefly touch on the MK Dons game, really, just hopefully Harvey Elliott, can you be my dad? But I mean, <laughs> uh, we'll move on. I want to move on to the, the little weekend. We can come to the old soppies. Um, let's see how I come to you, mate. Got a good friend, his name's Fisher, Ben Fisher. Uh, we had a good chat about the weekend. I think he's finally starting to realise that Jordan Pippick is not very good. <laughs> Definitely doesn't warrant the the price tag, does he, so far? And I know, you know, it's a different league and things are different challenging. And, I mean, watching that game today makes you appreciate the Reds even more. Because what a shit fest that was. Uh, just, <laughs> I mean, the... The bad passing, just like the lack of effort in some ways. I mean, that goal that Arsenal conceded, like, nobody's even sprinting back full speed. I mean, United is not that freaking fast. Uh, so it's just like, just watching that game just made you appreciate what we watch weekly a lot more. It was entertaining to watch because it's kind of like a, you know, like a mini sitcom, if you will. But, um yeah, your buddy is right. Is he like an Arsenal fan, you said? or No, he's a Liverpool fan. He's, he's an Everton fan. He's a bad toffee. Um, <laughs> he, got, he goes home and away, like. Um, and I think he's starting to realise this weekend, after all the shit I've given him over Jordan Pickford, that I might actually be right. And that he's just not very good. <laughs> because, mate, that second goal, mate, we can listen. I thought Everton actually put a lot of effort in. I want to give them a bit of juice. I thought they were actually okay in the game. I thought they played well. I thought they'd done well to get back into the game. The free kick has cost him a point. 
That's how it is. You don't and that's the corner that he's supposed to be like covering. Mate, I, 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 I thought you, you said Pepe. I was talking about him. But yeah, if you go talk about Pickford, I mean, what the hell was that? For a goalie to like be so good at sometimes, but have always like a couple of blunders in him in a game, you can't have that as a goalie. It's not a striker. It's a goalie. So one blunder, I mean, he kind of like cost the game. More importantly, it freaking cost the points for us. Because uh, it looked like until then that Everton might be able to pull it off. And then he kind of like lets that ball in from the corner he covers. How the hell does that happen? Dreadful. Honestly, and you know what, mate? Chris, I'll come to you on it, right? I, I was looking at City, mate, right? It's a, it's a pretty shame that you've got four or five quite e- easy games where I expect them to win that coming up. Because if they're playing a half-decent side, mate, they'll, they'll get something out of that game. The Pickford chance, it frustrates me more because... If he's lobbed them, because he is short, we make a joke about it, but he's short, right? Yep. If he's lobbed them, fair enough. The ball's t- 25, 30 yards out, and it's going across the ground. You can say it's <laughs> coming from the bodies, mate, that's bullshit. You, the left footer's it, isn't it? He's a left footer. If he puts it over the, if he puts it over the wall and puts it in the top corner, you hold your hands up and go, fair enough. What can you do? Maris, is it? It's gone straight to your corner, mate. It's bottom in the bottom corner. You're not even near it. It's, it's so bad. He's at fault for the Bournemouth goal last week away, but no yeah. one's talking about this because he's the English number one. So the media will not talk about it, right? He's at fault for Bournemouth away. He's at fault for, um, he's at fault for Sheffield United at home for the second goal because he comes out and gets no way near Musay. So Musay just knocks it around him. It's, uh, at the moment, mate, honestly, we do have the second best goalkeeper on Merseyside, mate, and he's playing as our number one at the moment. Yeah, oh, 100%. Listen, Jordan Pickford, if you, if you look back at that goal... Uh, you said it yourself, it's his corner. When a goalkeeper sets up for a free kick like that, the wall looks after one side of the goal and the goalkeeper looks after the other side of the goal. Mm. For a goalkeeper to allow that free kick to go in his corner is, is unforgivable. It's it's. I don't know, who who's the Everton number two? Uh, fucking hell, uh, Lossel, Lossel, out of oh, uh, Lossel. Yeah, it's yes. he, He's actually a decent keeper. He's all right, give him, yeah. Give him a try. It's against that stage, I think, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's, not gonna, it's not going to hurt. You know what I mean? And the England team, here's the thing. I put no stock on a lot of the England teams no, because no. a lot of it's, it's it's picked by the media. You know what I mean? Uh, and yeah. it's kind of like, oh, well, who's who's the most sensible one here? And they're like, well, you can't have Joe Hart. You can't have this. Oh, it has to be him. Listen, there's a lot of young goalkeepers out there. You know what I mean? Dean Henderson's one of them. Yeah. You know, yes, he made that mistake. Every goalkeeper makes a mistake. Al- the great and powerful Allison has made mistakes. You yeah. know what I mean? It, it, it happens with goalkeepers, but sometimes it happens with more keepers, more keepers than some, and it's happening more and more with Pickford. And he, he is a small goalkeeper. He's a small guy for a goalkeeper. You know, you put him, you put him side by side with Allison, and, and, and it's laughable. You know, um, I, I, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Tim, Tim's moving furniture there or something. I know. I don't know. I know. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah. I, honestly, I, hey, I don't give a fuck about Everton. I know, mate. Listen, it is what it, the place City makes City got the win. You know. Yes. It is what it is. We were expecting to get the win anyway, so that's what happened. Yeah. Um, it was the same today. Today's match. But yeah, we'll touch on about, that now. Yeah. About thirty minutes in. Uh, me and the wife put on amazing interiors. Yeah, well, that makes it, to be honest. It probably <laughs> that's true. Just as entertaining, yeah. That's, that's, fucking, that's, tr- that's the absolute truth. 
Let's get one. I always say this, right? Tim, I'm going to come to you on this on this match, right? You touched on it before. If they're the, if they're meant to be the rest of the league, top four, <laughs> we are fucking light years ahead of them. Yeah, mate, it's getting to that stage right now where if we don't go to Old Trafford in two weeks and beat them, I'm going to be fuming. Yes. Usually you go to Old Trafford, mate, and you go, I'll take four points this season. You draw it at Old Trafford, beat them at Anfield. You swallow it. You swallow it every year. I do it for the derby every single year. I always say it. If we get four points off Everton, it's a good season. It's it's fine. This season, mate, we need six points off United. And you yeah. know what, mate? We don't go there and whack them based on that performance, mate. We have serious issues because they are dreadful. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just like I say, watching that game, I thought when you asked initially, I didn't hear Pickford. I, I thought I heard Pepe, and you know, so that's why I was oh. I was talking about him. And you know, watching that game today, like I say, it just makes you appreciate what you have. And United, yeah, I mean, that team, I don't know why or how, with the money spent and the people they have, it's like, where did this money go then? And I don't understand what they did over summer, sending all their forwards away and selling without replacing them. Uh, so you can tell, like, Rashford is, like, not 100%. And even when he is, he doesn't look like he has the confidence. I mean, the pr- problem is, you know, they're, you know, the, when we go to Old Trafford, they're going to play their heart out. Um, and it's not, they're not going to take it as, like, an Arsenal game. I mean, did it, even, like, Lee Dixon was talking about it, like, at halftime, it just did not feel like... A matchup between you know two top four teams or heck top six teams or heck top ten teams I guess but um, I mean it just didn't even like feel like it and the play on the field the quality on the field was just not there I mean let's face it you know you watch Liverpool you look, watch City they are leaps and bounds ahead of everybody else I mean it looks like it'll be a two horse race for quiet sometimes five years. Five years. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, I can see that. Yeah. I, I genuinely. Austin City is turning into Rangers Celtic in Scotland. Yeah, it's turning into Barcelona Madrid all them years. It's turning into that. It is. And Chris, you put the nail on the head. It, Rangers Celtic, by the way, guys, if you don't follow like the Scottish football, they dominate the league every single season. Celtic's won the last nine. They're going for 10 in a row because Rangers got relegated. Rangers got relegated four divisions, guys. They've been promoted back to back and they're still second in the league. Back in the, in the top <laughs> and, and, league. And Stevie G's their manager. And of course, Gerard's the manager. So, But I'm being serious now, right, guys? Chris, I'll come to you on this as I just touched on with Tim. And I, and I understand Tim's point. He will raise their game to play Liverpool. And I understand get that. But, mate, our quality, even if they raise their game, well, they cannot get to the level of Liverpool and the, the level that we can raise our game to. Liverpool have to go there last year, mate. We get to win, we get a draw, you swallow it and go, fair enough. They played okay, Liverpool didn't play that well. We need to go there this year and go, no, we need six points off United. Because I'll tell you what, mate, City are going to take six points off them. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, they're just going to roll over for City. Uh, this and, shit. Uh, so and bad, sorry. Go on. It's, <laughs> it's, it's weird because when you look at them on paper... When you look at it on paper, you think to yourself, "Yeah, actually, that's a pretty decent squad." Yeah. But then you then you start to dig a little deeper, and you look at that front line. You look at Martial, you look at Rashford, and you think, "Okay, so there's your two guys up front." You know, they're both what twenty two. They're not yeah, that old. Twenty three, twenty two, twenty two. Yeah. And who's who's following them up? Who's backing them up? A seventeen year old in Mason Greenwood. Yeah. 
you know, so the, it, it, it's kind of there's there's two types of pressure happening there. There's the pressure of I'm going to lose my place to this kid, and then there's the pressure of I have to perform because I'm the main guy. I am now the number one guy. Lukaku's gone. Yeah, Ibrahimovic is gone. You know, I, I'm the main guy, and I don't think he has it. I I tell you what, mate. Nice. Lukaku has his critics. That's fine. What Lukaku used to do, mate. He used to beat the teams in the bottom ten. Twice. So there's sixty points before you start, mate. United don't even look like they're going to get sixty points. No. Mate, mate. As I as I say, Tim, I'll come on to you on this fella, right? Lukaku had his critics again. Get your twenty goals a season. It's sixty points. Twenty goals a season for me is sixty points, fifty to sixty points usually. Right, it's very, very rare. I always say a team goes down when they've got a twenty goal a season striker because they get you fifty to sixty points. Lukaku would beat the teams in the bottom ten twice. Yeah, I mean, I don't understand what the plan was, and I know, I mean, Lukaku probably, I mean, they should have known first of all watching him before. It's not like a a guy they took a chance on. It's a guy they watch year after year when they mm-hmm. signed him. You knew yep. he had a brutal first touch. You knew what his what his weaknesses were, and you knew what his strengths were. So you spent all that money signing him, and the guy is still scoring. You know he's scoring goals in Italy, and you know I watched Wonder Game. I mean he's playing well over there because you know it's catered to him and it's catered to his strengths. And I think that's when you know, the chaos that is United is you just randomly buying people regardless of if they fit your system or not, because you don't even have a set system. And that's, I think, like where their problem comes. And, you know, they can keep going the way they are. It's very enjoyable to watch from far away, so by all means. But I think that's, like, the problem there. And you get rid of that guy with no plans to replace him. Uh, same thing with, like, Alexis Sanchez. You know, they, they're like, oh, he's a good player. Let's get him. Does he fit? Not really. But, yeah, you got rid of a lot of quality. And like you're saying, you got rid of a lot of goals, that is going to be hard to replace. And there, I mean, who are you really relying on to bring those? I don't see anybody on that team to be able to pick up that slack in terms of goals. You know what's going to happen is in January, they're going to pay, they're going to overpay somebody, you know, like twice what they're worth to be able to get a striker because that's when by then shit will have hit the fan if it hasn't already. Yeah, if I was, uh, if I was Manzoukas, mate, I wouldn't be turning my phone off. Fucking hell. <laughs> but I mean, like, I'll, we'll move on from them. Just basically, quickly, cap there. Leicester, the league's rubbish. Only Leicester are actually half decent. Um, I think Leicester will probably finish in the top four at this rate. Um, if anyone wants to question me on that, feel free. But when I look around the rest of that league, mate, I, I like, I do like Arsenal with Aubameyang and Lacazette together. I think they can both get you 20 goals a season. But at the moment with Leicester, mate, I just think the battling teams, I think, they can, and I think we've got a massive game next week, which I'm sure we'll discuss Leicester in a bit more detail then. But um, we'll move on, guys. Champions League game this week. Playing the old Red Bull Salzburg. Um, Austria, former Sadio Mane's club. Great result. Their first time. I think they'd be getting 4 1. Lad got a hat trick. I think it's one of them games, Tim. Liverpool needs to win the game, of course. 100%. It's. I think his team choice and selection in this game is very, very interesting because he's going to play as like Chamberlain, who's definitely, definitely going to get a start soon in a big game. And I think this is a great game to actually introduce him back into. 
Uh, I don't know, man. Like I said, after that MK Dons game, I don't know. I mean, let's hope so. I was thinking more it's a good game for Kato to come in. Okay. Uh, he got his minutes, so he should be ready. He didn't play over the weekend, so he should be able to put in a good shift. Mm-hmm. And we might need someone like him who can kind of like open up some, like open up a defense because, you know, they're going to sit back. So I kind of expect him to be the attacking midfielder, if you will, mm-hmm. and kind of like help out the offense more than Ox. I mean, it could be, because I, I doubt we we're going to see both of them. And if I had to pick one, after watching them both play, I would probably go with Kater right now. Interesting. Okay. So, we look, but we all, I guess we are in agreement here that you would see what at least one change in the midfield. Oh, for sure. And and I, I think I kind of disagree with him. I wouldn't be surprised to see both of them. Okay. Uh, I, I, you know, I think they could both play that sort of pivoted role. Um, they both like to get the ball and run forward. If if Salzburg are going to come and sit back, which we assume they are, um, it, it might be you know beneficial to have them both. But um, yeah, I mean, then you have to you know then you get into the argument about Henderson and Milner and the captaincy and stuff like that. So yeah, I, I don't know, but uh, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if if we saw both of them. Okay, um, Tim Red Bull. They've um, in the in their league this season. They are top of the league. They are undefeated. They've played eight, one sorry, played nine, won eight, thrown one. Um, they are a team of confidence. That usually compose a threat. But what I, I used to say this about Porto the last couple of years, mate. They were undefeated at home for like 18 months and Liverpool go there and beat them 5-0. I expect Liverpool's class to tell, even though they are a team with all the confidence at the moment. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure they know that stuff doesn't really carry across in the Champions League, especially when you come over to, like, Anfield. I mean, the... I mean, the Austrian league obviously is not as challenging and they've been, like, dominating it. Uh, and they probably, I mean, their goal difference is, like, 31 goals. It's That's just kind of, like, obnoxious. They've scored, like, 40 goals in the nine games. So there are some teams over there that are just, like, taking stuff in and, like, you know, just, like, letting them run through. I think they'll know that... I'm sure they watched the Barcelona game last year. So they, yeah. they know uh, how much of an environment and how scared of an environment that can be. Uh, so I would think they're going to be rattled by just the presence of, you know, walking onto Anfield by itself. So I'm more concerned about, you know, us getting frustrated or impatient or the fans maybe if the goal does not come in early because we kind of expect them, like Chris said, to kind of sit back. So as long as that doesn't happen, I feel like an early goal, and this will be like a very easy one at three points. Uh, mm-hmm. Like I say, I'm more worried about, you know, if that goal doesn't come in early, is the crowd or the team going to start getting impatient and like, you know, doing things that they normally would not do? Mm. I think it's, uh, Tim, it's one of those games, mate. I, and I expect Liverpool to win, of course, but at Anfield, I expect it to beat anyone in the world at Anfield. Um, it's if they if they don't win, the worst case scenario we draw. Say, I still expect Liverpool to get out of this group no matter what. It's oh, yeah. kind of not really a free hit as such, because I'd love to finish top of the group, but it is kind of one of those games where if you draw, it's not really like a, uh, like you know it's a bad thing. If he throws in Kiter and Chamberlain, we draw, knowing all our players arrested for Leicester this weekend, then I would be much much happy. No one, if you can, if you say to me right now, you're going to get beat by Red Bull. If you can beat Leicester on the weekend, then I'm going to bite your hand off. 
I completely agree. Um, I, I mean, as much as, as we say it would be nice to do the double, treble, quadruple, whatever it is we're, we're talking about, um, I, I think we're out of this group regardless. And I, I think we're, we're talking about Salzburg here. We're talking about a team, you know, like Celtic, you know, um, you know, like PSG, um, you know, like, like those teams that, you know, like Maccabi Haifa, like yeah. all these teams that you hear about in the Champions League every single year. Sometimes you don't know where they're from. Cluj or another one. Um, you know, Shakhtar Donetsk. Teams that just win their league every you single just, year. You just name a Man City's groups now, aren't you? Yeah, exactly. Man City's um, yeah. <laughs> but, um, listen, I could probably play in some of the teams that Salzburg play against week in, week out. You know what I mean? That's that's how at the level of the, the Austrian league. At yeah. Anfield, um, I think it will be a bit of a culture shock for them. Yeah. You know, I mean, they've been to some big places before, but you're going to the home of the champions in, in the pinnacle of, of European football in, in the greatest club atmosphere on the planet. You know, um, I, I don't see Salzburg having much for us at all. Um, and I think they're going to be in for a bit of a shock thinking that, oh, we walked over Gank because the Belgian league is like the Austrian league. There's, yeah. literally, there's literally like two, three teams in there that are even halfway decent. And even then, they're lucky if they're on the same level of the likes of Norwich or Sheffield United. So, um, yeah, I, I really don't see us having an issue whatsoever. And any kind of doubt that people have, they need to shake it the fuck out of themselves. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I think a draw, I mean, obviously it doesn't like, you know, put you out of it and stuff, but I think it puts us in like an unnecessary situation where we have to win games and stuff like that. I would rather have them. I mean, we should have enough quality with resting some people and using some people from the squad to be able to beat this team. And you don't, I mean, I would rather have us rack up the points. I don't really care if we're first or second coming out of this group, to be honest. I, I just want us to rack up enough points so that towards like the, you know, like the the five, like around five or round six games, we don't have to have three points and play our everybody out there to be able to get the three points. So I think in that sense, I would not be happy with the draw just because, like I say, it doesn't take us out of it. I, I would still think we're going to get out of the group because we're going to play gank back to back. And, you know, so by the time around, you know, like five comes around, we could be like number two or number one in the group again. But yeah. like I say, I would just like us to rack up the points in these next three games, grab the nine easy points so that, you know, you can kind of like have yourself situated and you're able to rotate with no rest. I want to basically in the last game against Napoli. I want to see Harvey Elliott. That's what I want. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm being serious. I want Harvey Elliott and Rian Brewster up front. I, it's going to be wonderful. Um, come to the team there, Tim. Quickly, um, I can I can see Joe Gomez starting this game. I think it's got to be a get one of them games where you got to get minutes. I think. Would you rather have Trent? You know, we we did say everyone had kind of had an off game on the weekend. Maybe Trent's kind of feeling it. Maybe Joe Gomez slipping in at right back just for this one. Give the guy the week off and then going into the Leicester game, he's fit and final. I think so, definitely. I mean, I think Gomez gets in either as centre back or right back. And after this past weekend, right back makes sense. I mean, will we need Trent's crossing to be able to kind of like attack? I don't think. I think Gomez will be fine at that right back spot. And, you know, it will kind of like change how we play slightly. But you in can some take a free ways, kick. it's better to 
you know, do that against a team that's obviously going to, you know, rely on the counterattack anyway. So I expect Gomez definitely be out there. And I would not be shocked to see one of the front three being rested for DWAC as well. Interesting. Chris, I'll come to you. What do you reckon? Front three getting rested. We're all agreeing on Chamberlain, Kaita, Fabinho, I think. I think we all want to see a bit of attacking. I don't yeah. know which one he will dress. What do you think? I don't think he's going to rest Mane. I think Mane will want to play. It's fun. Mane... I think he's going to be pissed off. So, interesting. What are you thinking? Yeah, I think uh, Devak gets a start. Um, Salah? Over Bobby. Ooh. Okay. Salah down the middle. Uh, I think Mane down the middle. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I think he'll, he'll be busting to get a goal. Um, and, and I think with that... You know, if we have Naby and the Ox coming in behind him, a lot of the pace going right up the middle like that, that's going to cause havoc. Yeah. Um, you know, so um, Joe Gomez in there taking the free kicks. Hell yeah. Um, <laughs> I, and I wouldn't be surprised to see that that kind of, um, you know, that weird sort of back four, back three that Klopp kind of employed for a while when he played Gomez at right back, yeah. where they would kind of slide into a back three a lot and... and Robbo or what used to be Moreno would would essentially be like a left winger. Yeah. So yeah. that would that would push Devok into the sort of inside left channel. Mm. Um. So he wouldn't exactly be on the wing, and it, it would be create a bit more space for Robbo to whip them balls across. So, yeah, I, I, yeah, that kind of isometric kind of back four, back three thing could probably work, uh, especially against a team that wants to sit back. Okay. Perfect. Like guys, uh, any other business? Ah, nothing really. I mean, let's keep the streak going. Kind of like get this, like I say, let's just get these points so we can, if need be, rest people down the road. Fair enough. Chris? We've played seven games. Yeah. We have yeah. maximum points. <laughs> just great, Arsenal, Arsenal and Manchester United have played the same amount of games, and they <laughs> have the same amount of points as us combined. Wonderful. Oh, welcome. Wonderful. Welcome. To our year, <laughs> I guess I think uh, I think we'll leave it there. Um, give us a like, share, subscribe, all that fun stuff. We'll look out for our t-shirts that we're going to be get going as soon as Tim can get them all set up for you. Um, we can get them on our Etsy page, and we're going to have a couple of merch on there, guys. Some wonderful stuff that we're going to have coming out. Um, keep listening, keep subscribing. The Reds have won sixteen league games on the fucking bounce, lads. Look at how good are we? Look at the rest of the league. They're all shit. Everyone's rubbish. Look at them all. Barcelona can't win away from home because they've already them. It's, awesome. <laughs> it's fine. This is what happens. You come yeah. to Liverpool, you get a regied, and that's what happens. You go back home with your tail between your legs. This is like with the greatest side in the world. Look at us. Admire us. We don't go to Norwich and get beat. We had a banana skin on the weekend. We got through our banana skin. Did City get through their banana skin? No. They're playing Otto Mendy and a 35-year-old defensive midfielder centre-half. You trying to compare them to Liverpool? Don't give me a laugh. Keep, keep, <laughs> keep being unbearable, boys. I'll see you later. <laughs>